Amen. You can be seated. Boy, are you a good-looking church this morning, folks. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I am thankful for every Sunday morning to have a place to come where I'm not under the influence and the, what I see all week long out there. We come to a place where there is encouragement, where there's just hope for the soul that it ain't over as long as you got Jesus. Amen. And I don't know about you, I thank God for what Christ and the difference he has made and is making and the peace that he gives each and every day, no matter what we go through. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to the word, in the word of God to Acts chapter 1. Most Baptists that's been in church very long knows what this verse is. Um, it's very, very popular. We know it by heart, but we don't always let it rule and reign our heart. And I want to talk to us this morning about what I think is the need of this hour. I think it would make more difference and bring more good than any other thing that I could ever think could happen this side of heaven. If you look with me here, Jesus is fixing to build after being resurrected, been with him for 40 days. He's speaking to his beloved apostles and those last few disciples, 120. And he's speaking to them the last words he would tell them before he ascended back to heaven. And they're asking him, they sound like a lot of us. And it says in verse 4, we're going to start reading. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John, that's John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, here they are telling him, you fix and get baptized with the Spirit of God. They sound like a bunch of Americans. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I don't know about you, but I get tired of church people, Jesus people, asking me, what do you think is going to happen to America? What do you think's wrong with America? And friends, just like that, Jesus is telling them the promise from on high that's going to come from God the Father and baptize you, fill you with the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, well, what about Israel? Here we are, we got the word of God, we got the hope of heaven, we got the greatest salvation you could ever have, and, and, and many of us are more focused on America than the kingdom of God. And so as you look, he says right there, Jesus said, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, I know he's coming. I don't know what the final plan for America is, but I know he's got one. But I do know verse 8 is a very, very important verse to America, the life of the church, the whole world. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when that happens to a Christian, you shall be witnesses to me. The Bible says, let the redeemed, those saved of the Lord, say so. We ought to not be quiet. We ought to not be backing up. We ought to not be shutting up. We ought to be standing up. We ought to be speaking up for Jesus Christ. But we're not doing that in the church today. There was ever an hour when the world and our nation needed to hear the gospel and the good news that Jesus saved sinners. We're living in it, friend. But I look around and I watch TV and I'm like you. I'm an idiot. I keep going on social media. And surely we can agree that we have come upon one of the most tragic hours in the world's history. Look around. I can't speak for all of you, but to me these perilous times are as bad as I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's as if 
We have allowed our politics and our morality to divide us as a nation to the point that we seem to even hate each other. Every day I see Americans fighting against Americans. And it seems to me that we're no longer just Americans. We're everything else before that. And as a nation, if you look around, we have allowed the enemy of our freedom and liberty to rob us of what at one time made us the United States of America, and today we are the divided States of America. And Jesus said a kingdom that is divided will not stand. So you want to know what's going to happen in America? As long as you keep seeing what we're seeing, her destiny is to fall. You can't change that. I got good news coming. Just hang on. Today I see a nation that once prospered and thrived from the obvious favor of God's blessing, now filled with an undeniable spirit of unrest, struggling just to survive. And we're not doing a very good job of it. And so today, if we're honest, the wicked, the wicked circumstances overwhelming us today are so confusing that most of us are no longer sure what the need of the hour is. But I want to talk to you about what I think the need of the hour is. We need to be revived, folks, those of us who are saved. Because if we was revived, we'd be preaching Jesus. If we was filled with the Holy Spirit and had the power of God on the church, the church would be changing the culture and society instead of the culture changing us. Amen? And I, as the psalmist said, will you not revive us again? You've got to be vibed to get revived. So you've got to be saved. And friends, that your people may rejoice in you. Friends, I don't know about you, but thank God we're Americans, but that's not where I find my joy. I, my joy is in I'm a child of God. I've been saved by his grace. I've been filled with his Holy Spirit. i got a word that feeds me and gives me strength. As long as I stay in it, and i got a father I can pray to. And if you only ask and seek and knock, you shall find what you need in Jesus Christ. And friends, today, the need of the hour is for a great soul-winning revival. That's the need of the perilous times. You don't even hear it no more because most of us don't think it can happen again. It ain't going to happen again as long as we don't believe it can. And you can live unrevived. And you'll stay unrevived as long as you're willing to stay that way. But friends, I want you to think about this this morning. I want to take a moment to press upon your minds and your hearts and remind you of the importance of this great need. I don't know about you, but I found more hope, more encouraged this morning watching them young kids than I have in the last two years looking out there at what they offer us. Do you really think that what's going on down here can be fixed by down here? something gets fixed down here, it's going to have to come from above. Can I get an agreement on that? And friends, listen, COVID-19, the global pandemic, a dysfunctional, corrupted government, open borders and everything else, abundant crime is not our greatest problem. The greatest problem facing America, you know what made America great? America was the greatest Christian force upon the face of the planet. The church had power. We didn't only win and and, and America was Christianized, but we were mission senders. We were making a difference in the whole world at one time. Now we need missionaries to come and save us. And friends, listen, I'm going to tell you, the greatest problem is this, a backspitting, spiritually sick church that's lost her power to win souls. 
Man, we preach, we minister, we do kids' church. Very seldom do we get to do what we did today. And it's all because we got to have God's power. See, God's got a plan. He said, if you just get saved, I'll baptize you. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit, and I'll give you power so that you can go and be my witness. But the church is quiet today. And I want to talk to us right here from the pages of the book of Acts, the, the, the birth of the church. I believe this, a great heaven-sent, Holy Ghost, soul-winning revival that impacts this whole world, sinful, broken, suffering, lost and dying world. That's the need, my friend. Because if you think Washington, if you think a vote coming up is going to fix this, you're going to be waiting a long time. Friends, whatever we think that can fix this, we are the one messed it up. We that has caused it cannot fix it. We need help from above. What is the missing thing more than anything else? May I tell you, Jesus? May I tell you, a church filled with fire and power and a love and desire to stand for Christ and preach Jesus in people's homes or built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word? That's what's missing. That's why it's like it is. That's the main cause of it. And I'm going to get you my introduction here so I can preach. God told Peter... And those 12 apostles and those few disciples that stuck it out. Don't leave Jerusalem. You've seen I overcame the grave. I was raised from the dead. He walked with them 40 plus days. He said, you go to Jerusalem and you tarry. And don't do nothing else yet because you can't do what I've been teaching you three years till you get the power from the Father. All my knowledge that I invested in you in three years of one-on-one -on -one personal ministry with the Son of the living God will not let you do what you have to do. You must have my Father's power, the Spirit of God. So he says, you go wait. I've already showed you what to do. So they go in the upper room and they pray and they wait. And then one day, the day of Pentecost comes. Fifty exact days after the Passover, the day Jesus was crucified, the next big holiday for Jerusalem where everybody would be there in the city of Jerusalem. God's got good timing. He said, this is the day he sent the Spirit from heaven. And I want you to look at this and don't get focused up on what a lot of people do, but I want you to look and see what it says in verse 1 of chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost had come, that's the birthday of the church, they were all with one accord in one place. And the Bible tells us in previous verses before that that they were all praying. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. May I tell you, we need something to come from heaven today. Something God only can send. And that sound came and it began to cause a ruckus. And it did things. It doesn't do this. It did it this one time. But this rushing wind filled the whole house where they were sitting. They appeared to be them divided tongues of fire. And it sat up on each one of them. But what I want to show you, he did, he still does today. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. Friends, I know we get caught up in tongues and all this stuff. But friends, don't forget the main purpose is they spoke in known languages. If you take time to look at this, everybody gathered there, all these different nations, all heard them speak in their own known language. This wasn't a bunch of gibberish nobody knew. It was God taking these men from Galilee and helping them speak with utterance from heaven. Look at what it says right there. It says right there in verse 4, and they were all 
filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Friends, listen, no one will ever win a soul to Christ unless the Spirit of God helps you. And the reason most of us don't try is because we aren't filled with this power that is available to every one of us. And friends, I want you to think about this. As they began to have this happen, these people seen it, and they were wondering. Look at what it says in verse 11. It says, Cretan and Arabs and all those other nations above that said, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Friends, when's the last time you went to someone and said, Lord, help me, give me utterance. I want to go tell them about the wonderful works you're doing in my life. When's the last time we witnessed? When's the last time we tried to tell someone about Jesus? Because if we don't tell them, they're not going to know. And if they don't know, they're going to die lost and go to hell. And they're going to live a hell life on earth, separated from the Lord. That's what's wrong with us today. And friends, I want you to look at what happens when one man, much less the whole group of apostles, got the blessing of God, the help from God to speak. Friends, y'all know Peter's past. Fifty days ago, Jesus was arrested. And he was taken to a trial. And he was beaten and he was falsely accused and he was wrongly crucified. The Son of God, the righteous, perfect Lamb of God. And Peter, who had just told him the night before, he said, tonight, they're going to strike the shepherd and all the sheep are going to scatter. And Peter said, I'll never scatter. I'll never run. I'll follow you even to prison and unto death. And he said, Peter, Simon, Simon, before the rooster crows three times this morning, you're going to die me three times that you even know me. What a coward. But ain't we cowards just like him? How many times do we deny the Lord when we get opportunity to stand up? Because here's Peter at a fire with a little slave girl. She says, ain't you one of his disciples? You sound like one of them. You from Bethany. You talk just like that preacher down there. <laughs> and Peter said, I don't know the man. Three times in the last time he said, I don't blank and know him. But 50 days later, I know you can say, well, he's seen the resurrection. Jesus, that'll change you, amen? But we're filled with the resurrected Jesus. But he got something. He got the anointing. He got the promise that we're just seeing that we're looking at right here. The Holy Spirit gave him power and he became a witness and he started in Jerusalem. And I want you to see what happened. Man, this verse right here would change America. Look at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, that's the other apostles, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. What we need again is spirit-filled, bold, speaking in the name of Jesus and say, men of America, men of Teddo Parish, men of wherever you come from, you better heed my words because I'm here to tell you about a, something that'll change your life, that'll save your life. And if, if you look through it, we're just going to go through because of time's sake. But Peter stood. He said, these people ain't drunk. This is what God said would happen. You see, when God gets a hold of you, you ought to be so different, they notice something's different about you. I'd rather be called drunk in Jesus than dead in Jesus, but most of us live our life happy to be dead because no one ever calls us out. 
When's the last time you got called out because you're a child of God, because you're a Christian, you're a Jesus freak? Friends, if you hang around people, they ought to know real quick, he likes Jesus. In fact, he loves Jesus too much for me. And friends, Peter stood this time. Look at what he tells him in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. He's standing up and speaking up for Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst. And you yourselves also know all this. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put him to death. But whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And they listen and start telling them, this Jesus whom you crucified has been resurrected. We've been hanging out with him. <laughs> He's been with us for 40 days, and he promised us to wait, and this that you see is his promise. And look at what he says to him in verse 32. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. He's not scared anymore, is he? He's not ashamed anymore to speak the words of Jesus, to tell the name of Jesus. I'd rather be hated by those who hate Jesus and loved by Jesus than to be loved by them who don't want anything to do with him, but Jesus be disappointed in us because we won't preach his name. We won't teach his gospel. We won't stand on his cross. The message is of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing. It always has been, it always will be. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God for salvation. We should not be ashamed to say it. That there's no cross, no heaven. And friends, listen, I got time's sake, I got to hurry. Verse 36, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you all crucified, both Lord and Christ, your Messiah. He said he's Lord, he's Yahweh, he's your God. And he's also your Messiah, the Christ, the Savior and Lord. And friends, listen, God was at work. God orchestrated all of this. He timed it on this day when thousands of people were gathered in Jerusalem from all different nations. He made it come where he got all of them's attention. And then he had one man who was willing to stand up and speak up, and boy, did God ever show up. Can I get an amen? And he would do the same thing today in your marriage, in your family, in your neighborhood, if we would do what Peter's doing. Get saved. Live a life where he can fill us with his spirit and stand up and preach for Jesus. Look what happens. When he told them that in verse 36, therefore let the house of Israel know, surely that God has made this Jesus whom y'all all crucified and called for Barabbas. Give us Barabbas, crucify the Christ. Both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I want you to notice it wasn't just Peter now, it's the rest of the apostles. What shall we do? Is there anybody here that doesn't know how to be saved that would have the courage to say, preacher, tell me, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be forgiven like them little kids and to, 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 to find eternal life? And friends, it says in verse 38, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, that's the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, just like he's got. 
For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Guys, listen. Getting baptized is a fruit and an evidence of repentance. You see, when you get saved, baptism don't save you, but when you get saved, you're not ashamed of Jesus. You're willing to get in front of people like this and get baptized and identify myself as a follower of Jesus and obey Jesus. Getting baptized is obedience to Jesus. It's the first step of following Jesus. And friends, listen, Peter, he talked to him. He explained more. Look at what it says in verse 40. And with many other words. I know there's some saying we're getting close to 12. I hope this preacher will be not long-winded. Hey, said Peter said with many other words, you might be in trouble, friend, but you're welcome. You can stay or leave. It won't hurt my feelings, I promise you. But listen, with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Friends, if there's anything I can tell you, if you out there and you part of what I see on CNN I don't watch CNN, but I hear about it. Fox, whatever you watch, social media, if you're part of that and you're caught up in that, you need to be saved from that mess. That's what a nation without Jesus that's perverted in sin looks like. It ain't guns, it's people. Without Christ, filled with the wickedness of sin, run them up with no restraints. If the Holy Spirit wasn't in me, I'd still be a drunkard. I'd still be addicted on cocaine and smoking dope and doing all those things. But one day, something better, I got filled with a fountain that came from heaven. And I don't need a stick of needle in my arm no more. I don't need to smoke dope. I got set free. How about you? A Holy Ghost, heaven sent revival where people started getting saved. Born again, change would do more to change America than everything else they promise us. And friends, listen. When Peter told them these words, I don't know what he said. I'd love to know. When I get to heaven, I'm going to go say, Peter, man, I'm a preacher. And I always have wondered, what was all the other things you told them at the day of Pentecost when 3,000 souls were saved? 3,000. He said, Preacher, you don't need to know that was your problem. You talk too much. <laughs> Just tell them and get out of the way and let God do the rest. That's what us preachers need to do more often. And I'm here to just tell you today that you can be safe from this perverse generation if you're willing to repent of your sins, turn to Jesus Christ, trust him and what he did for you on Calvary. When he died in your place and took your sins upon him, as a substitute, as the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He was nailed, he was placed on a cross, and God put our sins on him and he took them. And he died for you and he shed his blood for you. And when you trust that, I don't know why, that's what God says saves us. And when he saves you, he changes you, he fills you with his spirit. And guess what? I won't have to ask you to get baptized if you get saved. Them little kids about drove me crazy. We got saved. We won't get baptized. Oh, oh, they just won't get baptized. (laughs) Miss Tammy came to church. First time I ever seen her last Sunday. She walked out, got baptized. She's up here this Sunday getting baptized. I believe she might have got it. But baptism is not the end of the journey. It's the beginning of the journey. That's where you start. That's the first step. That's where you now live a life that follows Christ and lets Christ grow you and build you into a disciple so that he can use you 
And friends, listen to what it says right there. When Peter, when he got first through telling them, then those who gladly, not reluctantly, not, well, I done tried everything else and this ain't working, I'm going to try Jesus. No. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. And about 3,000 souls were added to them. I don't know about you, but that's what revival looks like. What we've seen here shouldn't be once in a blue moon in a church. It should be a regular occurrence that people get saved, make commitments to Christ, get baptized. And then what if they get baptized? We shouldn't have to find the FBI to go look for them. There's a joke preachers tell about a stray dog. Someone fed that dog on Wednesday night and they couldn't get rid of it. Kept hanging at the door. They'd haul it off on the way home from church, drop it off in the woods. You know, you ain't supposed to do that, but most of you country boys have did it. Drop it off. Next Wednesday, it was back. Preacher said, man, we can't get rid of that dog. One of the deacons said, baptize him, preacher. You'll never see him again. (laughs) That's sad but true, isn't it? But look what happened to these people after they got saved and was willing to be baptized. 3,000. You think this took a long? Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people at one time? It must be pretty important. I got tired at 18. I can't imagine. I bet old Peter was getting back up. (laughs) But look at what they did. This is how it affected their life. It says, and they continued. They didn't quit. Well, I'm baptized now. I got my name on the roll. I'm okay. I'm heaven bound. I got me insurance. No. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines. That's what they taught. That was the words of God and fellowship. They wanted to be with the apostles. They wanted to hear what the apostles knew and taught. And the breaking of bread, that was the communion meal, the celebration of Jesus' death and burial for them who gave his life for them. And in prayers, they wanted to pray. Man, you want to have a short, quick meeting? Call a prayer meeting, amen? If you ain't got food, they ain't coming half the time. But I want you to look at this. This is what a revived church does. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among each other so anyone had need. Continuing, not just on Sunday, but daily with one accord and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And look at this, and we're going to close. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When the church is filled with watch watchers, and and I don't like standing for four songs. I'm one and done. When the church is filled with people who are so in love with Jesus that they praise God, that they want to worship God, they want to serve God, they want to learn from God, and they come continually and they want to be there, let me tell you who's going to be there, God. Church, to most of us, is a burden. Do you remember the days in America where going to church on Sunday was what everybody done? Today, very few people love Jesus enough to be a disciple and go to church and serve him. But friends, I'm going to tell you the most important reason that you need to get saved. And I'm going to just show it to you from Jesus. You see, they just did what Jesus had told them to do. When you get to the end of Mark's gospel, Mark said, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
That's what I like about somebody. Oh, uh, Brother Bill Holland back there, he's always asking me for tracks. He would witness and give a track to a dog. Every creature, he'd be willing to talk to him and tell him he could go to heaven. But look at what it says. When we go into the world and we preach the gospel, that's the good news that Jesus died for your sins. Yes, he died, but he rose on the third day and he lives today to help you, to forgive you and come into your life. He's resurrected and he's at the He's in heaven. And friends, look at what it says. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Man, when I was young, preacher just got started. I'd like to get them kind of verses and I'd get on that condemned boy. It was like fire to torment. I'm going to scare people into heaven. Oh, I like that, that tough, them tough verses. I've been told all my life, preacher, man, what we like about you, Brother Morton, you tell it like it is. You preach it all, you, and you should. But you shouldn't like telling people if you don't believe you're condemned. It should break our hearts. You see, if you think they got it bad out there, and if you think it's bad out there, it's hell out there. It is. You can go to Walmart and not come home right here where we live and get shot. You can be pumping gas on a, one of our busy streets and don't come home. We live in a nation so corrupt that it's gone further than I thought it would ever go, quicker than I ever thought it could get there. And I'll be honest, as a preacher, I say, are we beyond help? But God tells me if I could revive you and you can get a few more revived, we can make a difference and we can change a home. We can start with a marriage and that marriage can change a family and that family will change that neighborhood and they'll start coming to your church and you get enough of them in your church, it'll change your church and your church will change your county and your county will change your city and you get enough cities filled with the Holy Ghost preaching Jesus and people getting saved, I'll change your country. That's what his word says. But we don't believe it no more. But it starts with you, Mr. Lost Man. You, sister, don't have Jesus. You're condemned. you got to be willing to be saved. Why does it say and baptized? That water don't save you. But if you ain't willing to publicly say, he died for me, and I'm willing to publicly say, I'm not ashamed of him, I'll be baptized. Baptism is a profession of your faith. It's a witness. It's a testimony that Jesus died for me and I'm willing now to die and live for him. It's a picture of the old life without Jesus, just like Jesus was buried going down into this watery grave. You, without Jesus, that type of life is over. And then it's a picture of the new Jesus, the new life. You're being raised from that watery grave just like the resurrection to live the new life now with Jesus. You know why they're like they are? They're without Jesus. You know why we're the way we are? We have Jesus. He's the common denominator that changes everything. Today, I've said all I need to say. If you want to be saved, we're going to have an invitation. They're fixing to sing. It's not to join this church. It's not to come join up with me. I'm not here to start a cult. I'm here to preach Jesus and get you in the kingdom of God.
It's here to be saved from this perverse generation. If you get saved, you'll want to get baptized. We'll baptize you right now. We got more towels. Friends, you can drive home with a bunch of towels and it'd be cool, amen? If you get full of Jesus, you won't notice it, amen? I'm here to tell you. And I'll baptize you right now. You get saved, man. You can get her done. That's how they did it. At the day of Pentecost, they didn't say, go home and two Sundays from now, come on back and have your swim trunks. We'll go down to the river. No, they baptized them right there. Right there. Would it be you today, my lost sinner friend, that would hear the cry of Jesus calling you home to redeem you, to say, come to me. My arms are wide open. I'll save you. I'll receive you. I'll wash you and forgive you. And if you'll follow me, get in that water, and I'll lead you on a life you can't imagine for all the rest of you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'll be your God, but I'll also be your friend. Do you want that today? That's the hope. That's the great deed. And for those of us who are saved, when's the last time you told someone about Jesus? When's the last time you went to your neighbor and invited him to come with you to church for someone who will tell someone about Jesus will say it for them? I mean, asking your church to repent today of the sin of silence and speak up and stand up for Jesus for it's too late. That's the need of the hour. If you need to be saved, you just simply come up here. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm just going to pray with you. If it be your desire, we'll baptize you. If you want to wait, you can. If you want to be saved, sister, you want to be saved? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! God's good. You want to be saved, brother? Rededication. God bless you. Brother Chad's coming to rededicate. Is there any others? What's your name? I said, Amber. Miss Amber, I'm going to let you go talk with my mom while my wife. <laughs> Forgive me, Jesus. Brother Ted comes to rededicate. Brother, the Bible calls that repentance. You're repenting from the things that's led you from Jesus, and you're coming home like the prodigal son to be fully in the blessings of God. Is that what you want? Praise the Lord. Let's thank Jesus, Father. God bless you, Brother Ted. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for Brother Ted and how you've touched his heart. Lord, I know there's others in this room. I pray your spirit will fall like Pentecost. That souls will come to the kingdom today, even more than we've seen in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Is there anybody else? We're not going to wait all day. Do you want to get baptized today, sister? Praise the Lord. I ain't never done that. Go find her some towels, folks. (laughs) I lied. I mean, might be out of towels. Thank you. They're getting them. All right, all kidding aside, we could get excited and miss our turn. What a wonderful thing to be saved, to have Jesus, and to know that you're not condemned. Friends, it's not going to be, are you condemned on the last day? You're already condemned today if you're not in Christ. And I'm asking you one more time, and we're going to be finished. Maybe there's somebody here who wants to join our church. That church there would be the kind of church I'd want. I always say, a church that's alive is worth the drive. I'd pass up 10 dead ones, no matter how far I got to drive, to get to one that things are happening where people are getting saved and lives are not ashamed of Jesus. If you need to come, come today. Today is your day. We're going to sing. I'm going to shut up. If you need to come, you come now. This is your verse. This is your hour. If you need to come, come now.